morning. Morning. Uh, my name is Micah Fenema. I am a, been a member at First Cutlerville my entire life. I am involved in catechism, middle school youth group, cadets, and hand-to-hand. Today I will be reading from the book of Colossians 3, verse 9 through 11. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. This is the word of the Lord. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Thank you, God, for your word, and thank you that you give your word to your people. And we know that uh, it is not by bread alone that we live, but it is by the word of God which comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so as we spend some time in your word, may you speak to us by the power of your spirit. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So over the last couple of uh, weeks, as we've been working our way through Colossians, we've been in particular looking at a contrast between the indicative and the imperative. And uh, a few have reminded me that for some of us who aren't maybe English majors or don't remember our grammar all that well, uh, it's good to sort of refocus or remind ourselves uh, the difference we're talking about and why this is so important. And so... Uh, Colossians, the Apostle Paul, is asking the church of Jesus Christ not to live in the imperative. And when you live in the imperative, it means that you are living a life of I must in order to. I must do in order to earn or I must in order to deserve. And so in a family, you must do chores, you must behave a certain way, you must go to family dinner every other Sunday afternoon if you're going to earn your parents' love. Imperative is you must. In a church, to live in the imperative would mean that you must volunteer in order to be seen as a good member. You must live a certain way. You must uh, see things in a certain way. If we're thinking politically, you must vote a certain way in order to be part of a group. You must believe in a certain political platform in order to be a, a, a true member. That's the imperative. You must in order to. And the Apostle Paul says that uh, to be in Christ is not to be living in the imperative. Jesus does not come to us and say, you must get your life together in order to be loved. You must dress yourself up, become perfect in order for God to extend his grace to you. But God is the one who moves first. God acts. He does. He states the indicative. It's what is true, and then the question is, how do we respond? And that's a, a different mindset. 
In a family, I am loved, I am accepted, I am a son or daughter, and therefore, I respond. In a church context, because I experience the grace of Jesus Christ here in this body, in this community, I want others to experience that grace. I volunteer, I decide that I want to serve in this way because of. Because I am an American, because I have been granted freedom, I choose to involve myself in political causes. Notice the vast difference between living in the imperative and living in the indicative. And this matters for us this morning in how we think about verse 10 and 11 in particular. And we're going to spend more time on verse 11 because it's a verse that we see around us being used in a way that is extremely unhelpful. But we need to note that Paul states something indicative, true about us in verse 10, and it's that we have put on the new self being renewed in knowledge in the image of our Creator. Again, this is likely something that you and I haven't chosen to to do. It's not as if we went home one Sunday afternoon or woke up one Monday morning and said, ah, I'm now going to decide to do this. No, Christ has planted something in us, has grown something in us, has put a craving and a desire in us, which then leads to us, like we noted last week, to hate sin, to put it to death, to run from it more and more, and to allow ourselves to be made more fully alive in Christ. So all of that is sort of a lead-in to verse 11. And I want to read it again. If you want to go back a slide, uh, we can go back to so you can see it up on the screen there or you can follow along. This is where we're going to be uh, for the rest of our time together this morning. Here... There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Before we get into it, just a real quick note on the word barbarian. It's kind of a fun word. It's a Greek word. It's a little bit like the onomatopoeia, a word that you write like it sounds, like boom. Boom is a sound, and it's B-O-O-M. Zip, right? Z-I-P, it sounds like what it is. Barbarian was an insult that you would, as a child, say to your friends. If you wanted to make somebody fun of somebody on the schoolyard, you'd say, bar, 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 bar. That would be sort of, you're a bar, barbarian. Like that's the insult. And so Paul is saying that those in society who are seen as less than, are part of the community of faith. And Scythian are those who were seen as absolute less than, those who had no morals, no character. They lived far away from the cultural centers of the day. And so Paul is saying, no matter how others are seeing you, how others are speaking of you, here, Here, those categories 
are removed. Now that first word here, you can see it up on the screen there, up on the screen there, you can see in your verse, here, there, is an important distinction. Because what follows at the very end of the verse is the statement, Christ is all and is in all. And there's a desire in our culture to say that Jesus is everything and so all of the distinctions that we have in life, all of the categories we have in life, whether it's male or female, whether it's husband, wife, whether it's Jew, Gentile, whether it's uh, black, white, or anything in between, all of those distinctions in Christ are done away with. However, the verse begins with an important spatial word. It's the word here. Here being the church, big C, the body of Christ. Which is to say that while in this body there is something important that we recognize about our categories, about how we see each other, it is not then automatic that that's the way the world is going to choose and should work. Here, in the body of Christ, the category Gentile, outside the family of God, and Jew inside the family of God, those categories don't cease to exist, but they become less than the most important category, which is to be in Christ. this is no small matter. This is no small matter. Many of us grew up with the language of being encouraged to be colorblind. The idea of being colorblind is that when we see people, we won't see any distinction at all. We will not see any uniqueness at all. And sometimes this very verse was used. If everybody is in Christ, everybody is the same, we shouldn't see anything that would make us different. And that's not at all what Paul is saying here. In fact, if you flip ahead uh, just later in the chapter, the, the household categories that he uses, husbands, wives, children, fathers, slaves, masters, all of these things remain in place. But they become servant to, less important than. They become subservient to the truth that when we gather as the people of God in the body of Christ, we are image bearers of God in our own unique way. And so I don't lose the fact that I am a husband and a father and a son and a pastor. I don't give that up in the body of Christ. I keep them. But they don't define me in the body of Christ. What defines me is how God has made me in his image and who I have been made to be in Christ. 
my new self in Christ keeps my identity, my ethnicity, my family situation. It keeps those things, but it doesn't say that those are the most important elements of who I am. They say they are under my participation in the body of Christ. Now, where this becomes extremely important, especially within our own context, and we're going to talk a little CRC language. My apologies if that's not your church home you're visiting this morning. But when we think about who we are within uh, the culture of faith, within the, the church world in which we live, what Paul is saying here. In saying, here there is no Jew or Gentile, slave or free, he is saying you can't say to someone, you must be a Democrat to be a Christian. Or you must be a Republican and be a Christian. You can't say that. Because that would then make that category more important than being in Christ. Nor can you say to someone, if you voted for Trump, you can't be in our church. Or if you say, if you voted for President Biden, you can't be in our church. That would mean to elevate a category above who Jesus has made us to be in his body. If Christ is indeed all and in all, We must repent of those times and those places where we want to take an earthly category, where we want to take an earthly statement and say to someone, you cannot be or you must not be if that is true of you. Unfortunately, there's all kinds of places in our history where we have seen that happen over race. Or we have seen that happen over socioeconomic issues. However, there is a distinction we need to make here. Because when we say that Christ is all and is in all, what we are not saying is that we put Jesus in the middle and all gather around him and only and ever look at him without recognizing anyone else. This is going to be a terrible image, but we're going to use it because I think it will be effective. If I put down this pumpkin in the middle of our worship space and I say Christ is all, I'm not saying Christ is this pumpkin or this pumpkin is Jesus, but if we say I want everyone to look at the pumpkin and focus on the pumpkin and see the pumpkin and take in the pumpkin and focus your life and your attention and your values on the pumpkin, And in doing that, all of the distinctions will disappear. What happens? We lose the fact that Jesus says to us, one of the ways in which you truly see me is in seeing each other. This may sound odd, but it's the truth. I can't truly know who Jesus is without you. 
I need, just like you need, the body of Christ to be able to fully see who the person of Jesus is. And throughout Colossians, we read this language, right? Uh, If you have your Bible open, you can go up to chapter 2, verse 19. Those who are solely focused on their own things have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. The following verse, therefore, 3 verse 12, Uh, of our text. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, let the peace of Christ dwell in your heart since as members of one body. When Jesus is in the middle and all we ever do is look at him, what inevitably happens is all I see is my vision of the pumpkin. All I ever see is who I want Jesus to be for me. I need you to help me see who Christ is through your eyes. And I need to see Christ in how you are exhibiting your faith and living out your understanding of who he is. And so one of the verses that we cannot use to say that Christ has totally taken away the distinctions of who we are is this very verse because we need one another in order to fully see who Jesus is. In pastor appreciation, as we noted before, If I only ever look at Jesus and imagine this is how I want to be a pastor, this is how I need to be a pastor, this is how I am called to be a pastor, and I only and ever look at Jesus without looking at his body, I am a terrible pastor. Because you are Christ's expression to me. And I understand how Jesus is reflected by seeing him and seeing the body of which I am a part. Just like for you, we see one another. And in the weeks ahead, we're going to look at how we can more fully reflect to each other and more fully live into that together. But when Paul writes here, there is no Gentile or Jew, he is saying, be fully aware of one another, the differences between us, how we look different, where we come from, how we were raised, uh, how we understand and read his word. Take that all in and appreciate and value how together we reflect and point to the person of Jesus Christ. And to fully and most appreciate who we are to reflect to one another, we see Jesus. Colossians 1, verse 15 through 20, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, 
things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. There's that language again of the body of Christ being held together. He is the head of the body, the church, the beginning and the firstborn, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. And so there is this call in the indicative of God saying to us, this is who you are, this is what my son has won for you, This is where you are to plant your vision. But when you look at him, you are to see the body of which you are a part so that you may fully appreciate and love who I have made you to be, who I have called you to be in Christ, and who I am making you to be as I live the Holy Spirit in your life. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. And so here, there is no Gentile or Jew, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all and therefore as God's chosen people, we go out. We live, we reflect that to each other and to the world to which we have been called to serve. Let's pray. Lord God, we uh, sort of live in the tension of uh, sometimes wanting to uh, be in places that want to get rid of the distinctions to say we're all just sort of here, and if we just look at Jesus, nothing else will matter. And while that's partially true, it also misses something incredibly important. And that's that one of the ways in which we reflect the light of Christ and live as his body is by recognizing what makes us different and still being the body and figuring out how to do that in a way that is bearing with each other and forgiving each other and putting on love and unity and letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and to do that together. And so forgive us, God, when we take uh, things and make them ultimate things, whether it's an identity for ourselves or whether it's a characteristic in our world. And also forgive us when we forget that sometimes when we look at you, we make you into our own image instead of vice versa, being made into your image. And so help us to that end too, by the power of your Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.